Happy Sabbath Church family. It's good to be back home in Lebanon. My family and I are glad to be back here. As you know, the first part of this year has been very difficult for our family when Katie's dad passed away in February due to stage four pancreatic cancer, which he didn't know about at all until February 12, and they gave him tw uh, two to three months to live, and he lived only 12 days after his diagnosis. So after we got that news of his diagnosis, we quickly arranged to go to the States to be with him, and we're glad that we did. And uh, because of the two to three month diagnosis, we arranged for Katie and the girls to come back at the end of three months to Lebanon. So their return ticket was scheduled for May 13 to arrive back in Lebanon. Meanwhile, I came back in March uh, after the funeral was over and everything was finished. I came back to Lebanon uh, by myself. Before I came by myself though, we had considered switching Katie and the girls tickets so they could come back with me, but we didn't. We didn't know that COVID-19 was going to radically impact the world, close airports, affect travel in such a huge way. So uh, here's the timeline actually for how this all went down. I came back to Lebanon, I started March 9, got here March 10. The, on March 11, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. March 13, the U.S. declared COVID-19 a national emergency, and Lebanon's airport closed on March 19, just nine days after I had arrived. And so after the airport's closure and the uncertainty of when it would reopen, we knew that my family's return to Lebanon as planned for May 13 wouldn't likely happen. And with the global pandemic spreading fast, and world travel greatly disturbed. When I saw that the U.S. Embassy was arranging flights for U.S. citizens to go back to the U.S., we decided that it was best for me to go back and join my family during the lockdown and this time of uncertainty. Why things happen this way, we are still waiting for God to reveal. It's been a difficult time for our family, for sure. Certainly, it seems to us that the enemy caused the death of Katie's father and the resulting massive disruption of our family life and our work responsibilities. But through it all, God has helped us, he has guided us, and he's brought us, uh, he's brought much good out of so much bad. And he's finally brought us back to Lebanon and we are very glad for that. If all goes well, my family and I will be out of our two-week quarantine on Thursday, and we're looking forward to seeing all of you again after the government lockdown ends, and we can come back to church and worship again and come back to campus, on campus, and, and see you all again. We're looking forward to that. My sermon this morning is titled, The Walls Came Tumbling Down. And I'd like us to pray as we focus our minds now on this uh, message from God's Word. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, thank you for this worship service that we've already had, worshiping you. Lord, we're at our homes again on this Sabbath. We're not together in the church, but we pray a special blessing upon each one of us in our homes, that we are not just an, uh, an audience watching um, actors on the stage, but we are worshipers, worshiping you all together. We are a church family in worship, wanting to hear a message from you. So please speak to us this morning, speak through me, that each person will receive the message you want to speak to them today. Please send us your Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While we were in the United States, a very brutal murder took place in the state of Minnesota, which is where I was born in that state. You may have heard the news. It went around the world. An unarmed black man named George Floyd was killed by police officers. It was captured on video by a bystander's cell phone. And when this video went viral, the U.S. erupted in protests, violence, and destruction. Floyd's death was not an isolated incident. Tragically, there have been other racial killings in the United States in the first part of 2020. Racism and prejudice against people of other skin colors or nationalities is hardly just an American problem. There are racial problems and prejudice throughout the world, including right here in Lebanon. Today's message will attempt to reveal the solution to racism and prejudice. I want to invite you to get your Bibles or look at them on your devices if you have it on your device. Open your Bibles to the book of Joshua. And we're going to look at Joshua chapter 6 and also consider the context of chapter 5 where the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, appears to Joshua as he is preparing to lead God's people into the promised land. Let's look at Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2 to see what God said to Joshua. What are the instructions he gave him? The Bible says in Joshua chapter 6 verse 2, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Now notice that phrase where the Lord says, I have delivered. Doesn't that sound past tense? I have already done it. That's what it sounds like. Notice what the Bible commentary, Seventh Adventist Bible commentary, explains about this verse. The outcome of the divine prediction is so sure that it is stated as already having happened. That's why it uses those words, I have delivered them into your hands. It's, it's a sure thing. An expression such as this is called prophetic perfect and is used to emphasize the uncertainty of the certainty of fulfillment. So friends, this is a sure thing God is saying to Joshua. 
I have delivered them. It will happen. It's a done deal. As long as you obey me, it will happen. And the Lord continues in verses 3 and down to verse 5. He tells Joshua, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. These are the marching orders from the Lord to the new leader, Joshua. If Joshua and his army obey those orders, victory is guaranteed. All the armed men, all the men of war, were not to even speak a word when they marched around Jericho. Wouldn't that have been hard? How long did it take them to march around that? They were not to speak. They were not to talk. And so they marched around the city once each day for six days. Not a word. They were obeying the orders from their divine captain. But the instructions for the seventh day were much different. This time, instead of going around Jericho just once, they were to go around seven times. And on the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua ordered the men to shout. And Joshua 6, verse 20 says, When the trumpets sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. Joshua and his men were simply obeying God's directions. They obeyed the Lord. They did what he said. And the giant walls of Jericho crashed down. Just how big were those walls of Jericho? What size are we talking about? The research that I found about these walls indicated they were around almost 15 meters high. That's close to 50 feet, or five-story, a five-story building, 50 feet tall or 15 meters high. That's huge. These are huge walls. By faith in and obedience to God's word, Joshua and his army saw those huge and intimidating walls come crashing down. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor, how does Joshua and the walls of Jericho relate to racism and prejudice? Well, good question. These powerful words that Ellen White wrote make the connection. By the way, this is in the study guide, which you can download from our website, so you can get this quotation right off the study guide. Here's what she says. Walls of separation have been built up between the whites and the blacks. These walls of prejudice will tumble down of themselves, as did the walls of Jericho, when Christians obey the word of God. 
which enjoins on them supreme love to their maker and impartial love to their neighbors. The walls of separation, the walls of prejudice between whites and blacks will tumble down when Christians obey the word of God. And when we love him supremely and when we love others impartially. Now, let's define that word impartial or impartially. What does that mean? Webster's Dictionary Online defines it this way, treating all people and groups equally, not partial or biased. Does the Bible really command us to love others impartially or unbiasedly or fairly, equally? Let's find out by considering several verses from John. John chapter 13, verse, verses 34 and 35. This is probably a familiar verse for many of you. The Bible says, these are the words of Jesus actually, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus clearly commands us to love one another. And then in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, the Bible says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Racism is hating our brothers and sisters who look different than us. So if someone says they love God, but they are racist, then they are a liar. Notice this quote from BibleInfo.org. It's a Bible study website run by our friends at It Is Written. Here's what they say. Racism is a sin. Very clear. Racism is a sin. It's in the Bible, James 2, verses 8 and 9. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Very good point. Very powerful verse. And you know this other verse from John 3.16, For God so loved the world. God loves everyone in the world. And he calls Christians, he calls us to do the same thing, to love everyone in the world. Do you remember the words of this children's song? You've probably sung it many years ago. Maybe your children are singing it even now if you have young children. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. What a great song for kids, teaching them that indeed God loves everyone no matter what color of skin they have. But you know what? I think that's a good song, not just for kids, but also for adults, to remind us God loves everybody, whether they are white or black or yellow or brown or whatever color they are and whatever nation they're from, God loves them. Seventh-day Adventists, us, 
have been called, we have been called by God to preach the everlasting gospel to the entire planet. The gospel needs to go to every person, no matter what the color of their skin. The walls of prejudice between whites and blacks and between any other races or nationalities will tumble down when Christians obey the word of God and love him supremely and love others impartially. We have one savior who died for all people, whatever color their skin, whatever nation they're from. When Christ lives in me and he lives in you, we will have a passion to share the gospel with everyone who doesn't know Jesus. This is part of our DNA as Seventh-day Adventists. Our church was raised up to preach the gospel to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, remember? It's part of our DNA. Yet, even though it's part of our DNA, some within our church still struggle with racism and prejudice. Follow me closely now. Acts chapter 5 verse 32 says this. We are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. This is what this verse says. God has commanded us to love one another the way he loves us. In other words, to love impartially, without favoritism, without bias or prejudice. When we obey God and love each other the way he calls us to, the Holy Spirit will be given to us, will be poured out upon us. And here's what Ellen White tells us will happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. It's in your study guide as well. When the Holy Spirit moves upon human minds, all petty complaints and accusations between man and his fellow man will be put away. Oh, we need the Holy Spirit, don't we then, so we can get rid of all of these petty complaints and accusations between man and his fellow man. But she continues, the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness, Jesus, the Son of God, will shine into the chambers of the mind and heart in our worship of God, get this, there will be no distinction between rich and poor, white and black. All prejudice will be melted away. All prejudice will be melted away. When we approach God, it will be as one brotherhood, one family, one group united. So here's how it looks. I put it point by point just as a way of explanation to just make it as clear as possible. Here's how it looks. Number one, with God's help, we obey his command to love one another. He's commanded it. We should do it. He can help us do that. He will help us do that. He will transform us to give us that love. Number two, the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. Number three, the Holy Spirit will break down the distinction between rich and poor, white and black. And point number four, all prejudice then will be melted away.
the walls of prejudice and racism will come tumbling down. The same Jesus who gave the command to love others can also transform our lives in such a way as to fill our hearts with love for others, removing any racism or prejudice from our lives, from our hearts. That is the solution. Jesus is the solution. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, transforms us, cleansing us of the sins of racism and prejudice. Now, while we're thinking about the solution, which is Jesus and the Holy Spirit, while we're thinking about the solution to racism and prejudice, let me share this official statement from the General Conference, our World Church Leadership, which has made this uh, statement regarding the issue of racism. I'll put it on the screen so you can follow along. The link for it's in the study guide as well, along with a, part, uh, a quote from this section, not the whole thing, because it's long. But let me read it to you. Follow along carefully. It's powerful. It's called racism. One of the odious evils of our day is racism. The belief or practice that views or treats certain racial groups as inferior and therefore justifiably the object of domination, discrimination, and segregation. While the sin of racism, notice that, clearly defines racism as sin, while the sin of racism is an age-old phenomenon based on ignorance, fear, estrangement, and false pride, some of its ugliest manifestations have taken place in our time. The murder of George Floyd is a prime example of that. Tragic, terrible, awful. One of the ugliest manifestations of it taken place just two months ago. Here, coming back, we'll continue this. It says the Seventh-day Adventist Church deplores all forms of racism. The Seventh-day Adventists want to be faithful to the reconciling ministry assigned to the Christian church. That's an important point. Faithful to the reconciling ministry assigned to the Christian church. We'll come back to that. As a worldwide community of faith, the Seventh-day Adventist Church wishes to witness to and exhibit in her own ranks the unity and love that transcend racial differences and overcome past alienation between races. We'll come back to this. Scripture plainly teaches, it continues, that every person was created in the image of God, who made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. Acts 17, verse 26. Racial discrimination is an offense against our fellow human beings who were created in God's image. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, Galatians 3.28. Therefore, racism is really a heresy and, in essence, a form of idolatry. For it limits the fatherhood of God by denying the brotherhood of all mankind and by exalting the superiority of one's own race. What a great point they're making there. 
It continues, the standard for Seventh-day Adventist Christians is acknowledged in the church's Bible-based fundamental belief, unity in the body of Christ. Here it is pointed out, and now they're quoting from our fundamental belief, in Christ we are a new creation. Distinctions of race, culture, and learning, and nationality and differences between high and low, rich and poor, male and female, must not be divisive among us. We are all equal in Christ, who by one spirit has bonded us into one fellowship with him and with one another. We are to serve and to be served without partiality or reservation. What a powerful statement. And I didn't, I didn't share the whole thing with you. I just shared the key highlights. I cut out a few things, but you can read the whole thing if you go online. The link is there in your study guide. Let me highlight two vital sentences in the middle of that statement. Seventh-day Adventists want to be faithful to the reconciling ministry assigned to the Christian church. As a worldwide community of faith, the Seventh-day Adventist church wishes to witness to and exhibit in her own ranks the unity and love that transcend racial differences and overcome past alienation between races. Indeed, indeed, we need that unity and love. God can help us to love and to overcome the past hostility between races. A vital part of that is apologizing for when we've hurt each other. Yes, we need to apologize for when we've done wrong, when we've done something in prejudice against some other person or other people group, or when we've done something that had any hint of racism in it. We need to apologize collectively as a church, individually as individuals. We need to apologize for what we've done to hurt others regarding racism and prejudice. And for those who've been hurt, we need God's grace to fill them so they can extend forgiveness for those who have hurt them, to those who have hurt them. Christians, especially Seventh-day Adventists, should be involved in the ministry of reconciliation over the racial wrongs and injustices of the past. We should contribute to the healing of the deep and painful wounds caused by racism and prejudice. I appeal to you today, friends. I appeal to all of us to obey the orders of our Captain Jesus. Ellen White wrote these words, there must be continual faith and trust in the Captain of our salvation. We must obey his orders. The walls of Jericho came down as a result of obeying orders. What are our orders from Jesus Christ today? The Bible is very clear. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. When we obey Jesus' orders and love each other, the walls of racism and prejudice will come down. Will you 
choose to obey God's command to love others no matter what the color of their skin, no matter what country they're from. Friends, I invite you to choose to obey God and let Him do the miracle of removing any racism or prejudice that might be in your heart. God can knock down the walls of racism and prejudice just like He knocked down the walls of Jericho. When the world looks at our church, may they see a group of people who love others, no matter what their skin color or what country they're from. May we be a godly example to the world of racial and ethnic unity, true unity, true love. And may we point all those who are struggling with racism and prejudice to our almighty God in heaven who can transform them and knock down the walls of racism and prejudice in their lives. May God use us to bring healing to our world that is hurting over this issue. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you know our hearts. You know if there's any hint of racism or prejudice in our hearts. If there is anything in our hearts, remove it. Take it away, Lord. Cleanse us so that we will see everyone in this world as your son, as your daughter, one you came to die for no matter what their skin color is. You love them. You want to save them. You want to spend eternity with them. And so, Lord, I pray you'll fill us with that love so that we will love others the way you want us to. Please, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to obey you and melt away all of this, this, these high walls, destroy these walls of prejudice and racism in our lives, in our church, in our world. Lord, we humbly submit ourselves to you. Use us to, to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation, to bring healing to our hurting world, to our hurting brothers and sisters, to our hurting church, that we can experience true unity, true love, true peace as one brotherhood, one sisterhood, one church family loving you as people from every nation, tribe, and tongue and people under this earth, from every color of skin under this earth. We will worship you. We will love you. We will honor you as our God, as our Lord, as our Savior. Lord, Help us to, to make a difference in our world on this important issue that is facing our world at this time in Earth's history. May we be light in our community, light in Lebanon of racial unity, of ethnic unity, of love that 
transcends languages and cultures and colors. Lord, give us this unity. Give us this love. Give us your heart, your heart of love for everyone. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this call of Scripture, of Jesus, to love others. Help us, Lord, to truly do this in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.